0: Hello,
1: everyone. Welcome into ACC Tailgate. My name is Will Dalton, aka Wilbur and Gold. Your host here on ACC Tailgate on Chris Landry Football Twitch channel, and we welcome you in on a Friday, seven p.m. Eastern time. As always, we got a little bit, uh oh. It, I can feel the excitement in the air. The bread and butter is coming back for us ACC fans. We are five. I repeat, less than a week, five days out from the official tip off of ACC basketball. I'm going to say that one more time because it sounds so good to say that. We are five days, less than a week away from ACC round ball, our bread and butter as ACC fans. You know, I've said it many times. Uh, we've been very fortunate this year which is actually a phrase that we don't utter very much in 2020. We have been very fortunate this year. But as ACC fans, we have been very fortunate this year. Let me get my – I don't know why it went away. Let me make sure my – there we go. There's the ACC tailgate spread. Uh, No, we've been very fortunate this year uh, in the sense that We've had really, really good ACC football uh, in, a, in a year where we didn't know, you know, really whether or not we were going to have college sports at all. You know, it's a college, getting college sports in this year was going to be a little more complicated than obviously the professional game because, one, and probably the biggest thing is that there's no governing body that just says, all right, this is the way everybody's going to do it. You know, there's no, you know, there's no Adam Silver. There's no Roger Goodell. uh, You know, there's no commissioner that just says, all right, this is the way it's going to be done across the entire country, no matter what conference, and that's that. There was none of that. It was kind of left on each conference to kind of figure out how they were going to play this out, and, you know, that's kind of one of the knocks against college athletics, you know, especially when you're talking about, you know, the main – uh, the main headline sports, you know, your basketball, your football, baseball to a lesser degree. Uh, it's just, it it can get a little complex. Um, but man, we've had really good football this year. Uh, obviously we've got Clemson who was the number one team in college football. They've since been knocked off of that pedestal by Notre Dame. Who's also an, incredible team that we've got this year Uh, even though they're technically not an ACC team but they you know they take part in the ACC schedule um obviously we've got a great story in Boston College you know obviously Carolina has been good offensively not sure what they are defensively yet at this point you know Wake Forest has been solid uh we've just we've had a lot of good story NC State Was ranked, then they fell off because their quarterback got hurt. Then they started winning games again. So, you know, we've just, we've been very, we've had a record number of teams in the top AP top 25 poll six, I believe it was, uh, you know, five one week, four another, three several times. uh, It's what it is currently Clemson, Miami, Notre Dame. Not in that order, by the way, obviously. But we've been really fortunate to have good ACC football. After a year last year, that was garbage for ACC football to the point where Clemson's credibility was questioned. That's how bad the competition was in the ACC. And now we are five days out from our bread and butter, the thing that the ACC is known for, our stake in the ground. Basketball is finally finally back and so i would actually like to spend a good portion of today's show uh talking about some basketball maybe reminiscing on uh some of the old days of you know some some moments i guess that maybe stick out in my mind uh growing up as a you know obviously carolina fan and acc basketball fan for sure um probably talk a little nfl talk a little nba draft Uh, as I would like to start implementing professional sports into our conversations as well. That's one thing I haven't done. Uh, I believe this is episode 12 of ACC Tailgate, and, man, it's it's gone by like that. But that's one of the things that I really – wanted to do on this show was you know make it not only ACC uh that that's one thing that you know Chris Landry did tell me that you know don't feel like you're restricted to just the ACC you know you can go in other directions you know professional sports as well uh and that's one thing I haven't done enough at least I don't think I've done enough on this show and kind of mixed it up a little bit so we might talk a little NBA little uh NFL today uh, I would like to start out, however, uh talk a little bit about the NBA draft and just kind of go down the list here. So there was eight players uh selected in the NBA draft this year from the ACC. Uh, not not the richest of uh drafts that the ACC's had. obviously, it's not the year. Uh, of Zion and R.J. Barrett or, you know, the year of Tyler Hansborough, Ty Lawson, Wayne, all the Carolina guys, Danny Green, all those guys. But, you know, Brandon Ingram, others, I could go on and on and on. Like I said, the ACC basketball is our bread and butter. Um, While it's not that rich of a draft, there there were uh, some good selections. You had the first one off the board in the ACC was Patrick Williams out of FSU. He went to the Chicago bulls. That was round one selection four, right after LaMelo ball went to my Charlotte Hornets. I'm excited about that. Uh, round one, pick 11. You had Devin Vassell from FSU. He went to the San Antonio Spurs. Then he was followed up by Cole Anthony pick 15 round one UNC. He went to the magic. Uh, he got really emotional. Obviously we all saw that on ESPN. Um, He's a player, by the way. Obviously, I loved Cole Anthony. He was a little bit – he underperformed a little bit, and that's one thing he actually talked about in his interview with ESPN on draft night after he got selected was – and he actually kind of – I was actually kind of surprised how much he – how much emphasis he put on this, which actually says a lot about his character – because it's true. I mean, he really underperformed. I mean, he was good. He had really incredible moments like, you know, you know, all we're talking national player of the year moments, but that's all they were was just moments. You know, he never – now, granted, a lot of that I would say is because he was having to pick up the slack quite a bit. You know, Carolina did not have a lot of offensive power or any type of power in basketball last year, as we as we all well know, as we have our first viewer, welcome in. I uh, hope you're doing well. Um, yeah, Cole Anthony, he didn't <clears> – <throat> excuse me. He didn't – he just – he had to pick up so much of the slack, you know, for a Carolina team that was lacking both offensively and defensively, but specifically offensively, you know, that he was having to p- attempt to put up so many points. And obviously he fought injuries. I don't, and that may have played a part in him getting injured more often. Was because you know, I mean that he was having to try and carry so much of a load at that young of an age. Um, but yeah, he he had great moments, but he did underperform. And honestly, he actually, I'll go as far as to say I think Cole Anthony underperformed the to the point where I would have stuck around Carolina for one more year. Because, obviously, you know what they have coming in this year with, I don't know what rank Carolina's recruiting class is. It's top three, I think. It's either, it might be number two. I'm not 100% 100 sure. Don't quote me on that. It's top five, maybe top three. Uh, my, My thinking was, and I knew it probably wasn't likely, but you could stick around. Redeem Because let me tell you real quick. Now, I know I went on the record the other day and I said, mark it down that FSU is being undervalued and underappreciated. I stand by that. Um, but I would be lying if I didn't say I think Carolina is about to go on an absolute tear. Um, maybe that slight bias, Carolina fan over here. But I know the recruiting class that they've got in there. The talent that that freshman class is going to be looking like. Garrison Brooks is going to be better. I'm hoping players from last year are going to be better and hungry after, you know, the only the second losing season that Roy Williams has ever had at Carolina. The first time he's ever not made the NCAA. No, actually, reverse that. It's the first time uh, that Roy Williams has had a losing season at Carolina. It's the second time he's not made the tournament at Carolina. The first time was in 2010 after Carolina won it all in 09. Then just their talent drained, went right down the drain into the NBA draft. You know, rightly, rightfully so, uh, man, I missed that team. Tyler Hansborough, Ty Lawson, Wayne Ellington, Dion Thompson, uh, Danny Green, Wes Miller. Was Wes Miller on that team? Yeah. I'm actually looking at the poster for that team. 08. it was, Pretty much the same team in 09. Let's see. who are, Bobby Frazier, Marcus Ginyard, Will Graves. Good God. Time flies. Uh, but yeah, so I I was really genuinely curious because I Cole Anthony knows clearly because he talked about it the other night on ESPN after he got selected that he underperformed quite a bit this year. He was injured quite a bit this year. My thinking was, and that definitely affected his draft stock. Now he went number 12 overall, but he wasn't the top five lottery pick that he could have been if he would have completely lived up to the hype. He, again, he had good moments, but he didn't completely live up to the hype uh, that he had coming in. Uh, I think if he would have stuck around, it could have potentially helped his draft stock. Uh I think the same thing for Casha Stanley of Duke, by the way. And We'll get to that here in a second. But, I mean, regardless, he got picked. First round, pick 12 to the Orlando Magic. Uh, but that was just my thinking is that, you know, maybe he wants to come back and, re- and help kind of go on the redemption tour with Carolina and kind of right the wrong and be a part of that, maybe, and then go improve his draft stock, go top five. Uh, but whatever. So, uh, Cole Anthony... First round, pick 12. Uh, then you had Vernon Carey. That w- so there was only three taken out of the first round. Patrick Williams, FSU, Devin Vassell, FSU, and then Cole Anthony, UNC. So then you go to the second round, pick 32. Vernon Carey Jr. from Duke going to the Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte Hornets. Um uh, I really like that pick, by the way. Vernon, now that's a guy that I think we all knew if you watched him. uh, He was definitely going to the draft. I mean, he came in, was one of the top big men in the country all year. Um, And just a really, really, really good center. uh, And a good big man for Duke. And I think, you know, nothing against Cody Zeller for the Hornets, but... I would much rather see Vernon Carey in that 5 or 4 spot. I actually don't know how big he is, if he's more of a 4 or a 5, but I think probably a 5. I would much rather see Vernon Carey in that 5 spot than Cody Zeller. That's just me. So um, very dynamic player he seems to be. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very... Going off track just a second here. As a Charlotte Hornets fan... Uh, this to me was probably one of the best drafts they've had in recent, recent memory ever. Uh, I mean, Hornets have only been around since forget what year they were established. It was like the late eighties, I think. Um, I mean, I don't know what they did in the draft back in those days. Cause obviously I, I didn't exist back in those days born in 1996. So, um, but no, this may have been the best draft that the Hornets have ever had uh, outside of when they got Kimball Walker. But other than that, but they did, I don't think they had the depth in that draft that they got this year with LaMelo Ball, who is obviously the big headliner, then Vernon Carey uh, and others. Just really good draft for the Charlotte Hornets. A lot to look forward to if you're a Hornets fan, which probably not many of you are. Uh, quite frankly um so yeah Vernon Carey round two pick 32 then you had Elijah Hughes go round two pick 39 out of Syracuse he went to the Pelicans Trey Jones from Duke he went to the Spurs that was pick uh number 41 round two uh nice pick up there by the Spurs uh, Trey Jones incredible year last year for Duke uh, Jordan Nora, I think I pronounced that right, out of Louisville. He went to the Milwaukee Bucks in the round, or at, he was round two, pick 45. And then you had the last one taken out of the ACC, which is actually kind of very ironic because, so round two, pick 54, Cassius Stanley out of Duke went to the Indiana Pacers. It's ironic uh, that he was the last one selected out of the ACC because, even though I thought it might be a good idea and could potentially help uh, Cole Anthony's draft stock if he would have came back to Carolina just one more year and kind of played a full season healthy and helped Carolina, you know, get back to the way Carolina usually is in basketball, I felt much stronger about Cassius Stanley sticking around at Duke for another year. Um, he has lottery pick talent. Which it doesn't matter now because he's already been taken, but he is capable of being, he was capable of being a lottery pick. Um, he, in my opinion, he just didn't show it enough times this year. I mean, if you saw him play at all and you saw some of the dunks this guy had, I mean, complete Skywalker could fly out of the gym, could fly out of Cameron or any other arena in the country, and did on occasion. The problem was he had that Russell Westbrook. Ja Morant like explosion on occasion. And then there was other nights like the one that sticks out to me because I was there. So you know it's more stuck in my mind. Like at NC State when Duke got crushed, and you forget he's even on the court. One night he's SportsCenter top ten, dunk. Uh and then another night you forget he, you know, two points, you forget he's even out there. And he had a lot of in my opinion, too many nights like that. And I think if he would have stuck around, if he would have stuck around Duke one more year and developed a little more consistency with that explosion and just those highlights that he would put together uh, on occasion, I think he could have been a lottery pick easily. He had the talent to do so. Uh sorry, I had a hair in my eye. Um, so yeah, that's kind of... So it's it's kind of ironic that he was the last selection, and you know, taken out of the ACC because he was capable. If he stuck around Duke one more year, being a lottery pick, I think. Um. So yeah, those were your ACC draft picks the other night in the NBA draft. Um. So here's something interesting I saw today while we're on the subject of basketball and. Uh. So, obviously, there was no NCAA tournament last year. And, you know, with ACC basketball five days away. God, I love saying that. With ACC basketball five days away, um, it's worth mentioning. So, I talked about the other day about how they decided that they are going to have the NCAA tournament in 2021 in one location. They're going to have it in Indianapolis, which is where they were going to have – The final four. So, you know, that part is still the same. And I assume they're doing it at the, um, I think it's called Lucas Oil Stadium, the home of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, You know, that's where they did it. Actually, make sure I'm right about this. That's actually where Carolina won it. No, none. That was the last time they were there didn't think about that till just now. It was either Carolina or Duke, but I'm pretty sure it was Carolina. That's when they won it back in 09 in a dominant fashion, by the way. Set a record, won every single tournament game by double digits. Uh, you know, just throwing that out there. Set a record in the national championship game. No big deal. Not gloating at all. Um, so, yeah, the final four were set to be in Indianapolis. Um, And they were going to have 13 locations for all the preliminary rounds leading up to that, leading up to the Final Four. Uh, And they decided to just ax that because they felt, you know, as the NCAA was putting all this together. And I would say, you know, I mean, listen, the NCAA lost $375 million in canceling the NCAA tournament last year. I'll check and see what I have in my wallet, but it ain't $375 million. That's, that's a nice little chunk of change. Um, and obviously, it's going to cost a lot of money to have a lot of different locations. But I think the main concern that obviously, naturally, I think the main concern that the NCAA had was, as they've had this whole process, is the... You know, the liability aspect of things and, you know, not having an outbreak. Um, and they just felt that 13 locations, co- players going all over the country, it was just too high of a risk that something could go wrong. There could be an outbreak, which is understandable, obviously, especially when you've already lost, three hundred again, $375 million uh, after canceling March Madness this year. Um, so what they're planning to do is do it all in one location. I assume, uh, they're going to do it all in one arena, uh, which is what I wasn't completely sure about, uh, on Monday when the news broke that this was what they were going to do. Uh, I didn't know if, you know, they were maybe going to have multiple little locations throughout Indianapolis, you know, it's all in one city. But I didn't know. But I'm pretty sure they're all just going to be done in that arena, Lucas Oil Stadium, is where I assume they're going to do it. Um, and it's basically going to be a bubble tournament, much like the. And again, and that's and that's if there's one thing that we've learned throughout this whole COVID pandemic sports process, it's that one virtual fans are going to be a thing moving forward That's an and I will say this going off track a little bit that is the one th- good thing you know obviously this pandemic has been obviously horrible but from a business perspective and from an innovation perspective there are things that are good that are going to come from this you know prime example you know we've learned that it's much easier to do things virtually as opposed to in person. Now, obviously, you want to do as many things in person as you can, but let's say you have a meeting or something that you need to do. It's much it's much easier for me to sit here in my room in my pajama pants. I can strap on a, a suit or whatever nice shirt I need to wear. I can literally still be in my pajama pants and have a virtual meeting with somebody. That I need that I needed to meet with, and not even have to get up. Like that is the type of convenience, and you know, that's one thing us humans we love is time. You know, Uber and things like that. You know, it's not so much transportation that they provide; it's time. It saves us time. It's more convenient, and ultimately, that's the game when it comes to innovating and new things. Um, so, yeah, virtual fans, it's going to be a thing moving forward. Uh, that was a positive to come out of this. And then obviously as far as you know, that that's going to go on even after the pandemic is over now, as far as while we're still in it and hopefully we're going to be coming out of it here soon with all these vaccines that are about to be submitted for approval and all that. And hopefully we're getting close. You would think so. um, But as while obviously we're still in this from a sports perspective, we've learned that the bubble, the bubble, you know, the bubble process, the bubble system uh, for having sports events, tournaments, playoffs, what have you, it's pra- when done correctly, it's basically bulletproof for, for COVID. It's bulletproof. I mean, the NBA had zero positive tests. The WNBA, zero positive tests. The MLS did it. I'm pretty sure they had zero positive tests. Um, and all the I'm pretty sure all the leagues that have done a legit bubble from you know from start to finish of the event, they've done a bubble, zero positive tests. So when if done correctly, and obviously it will be done correctly, it's basically bulletproof for coronavirus. At least it seems to be, and so. What's going to be interesting is seeing how they're able to do that and and, uh, the actual, you know, I've been going on about this, but the actual thing I wanted to kind of bring up was the fact that uh, Coach K was talking about how he had some concerns about how all this is going to work in the sense that this is going to be very challenging to pull off. Because there's 68 teams in the NCAA tournament. The NBA playoff bubble went really well. There were 22 teams in that. 22, 68. We're at Disney World for one of them, where we can really supply some of this stuff. We ain't at Disney World no more. Not for the NCAA tournament. Not to say there's not good facilities, obviously, but Disney World can really put some stuff together it's disney world i mean come on um so yeah 22 teams 68 teams big difference and so it's going to be interesting to see you know how they're able to get 68 teams into a bubble and i mean coach k is very uh is very right to have questions about this um I want to think that they're going to pull it off and it'll all work out cuz I mean I mean those of us that I mean we don't we don't know anything about this stuff most of us is you know we just have confidence that they'll they'll figure it out they'll put it together and it'll it'll all work out. So, but I will say this is going to be interesting to watch because I guess that number 68 teams compared to 22 in the NBA bubble that's pretty significant. That's pretty lopsided. Um, and it, it'll be interesting to see how well they're able to pull this off. So um, I'll, I'll be uh, looking into it, looking at some more details that I can uh, share with you guys and just kind of because I actually I actually kind of find it very interesting like how how are you going like if you're actually going to have a legit bubble, like, how are you going to pull this off? Because that—that to me, that was one of the reasons that obviously the NFL, uh, and I know two different sports, you know, but that was one of the reasons that the NFL didn't do a play or didn't do a bubble because there's just too many people involved. Like, you can't like obviously there's thirty or thirty one, however many franchises there are in the NFL. That's a lot of people involved. You're talking about the whole players, which. If you know anything about it, you know, football teams aren't small. And I remember when I was playing baseball, anytime you would have, and you saw it more so in college, anytime you would have a team roll up in their bus and start coming down to the field. And it was just like a whole army they brought with them. We would always have a joke like, Oh, they brought a football team. Like, cause football teams are large. So uh, obviously the teams themselves have a lot of people involved. Then there's the coaching staffs. Then there's the training staffs. Then there's just the other people involved with each team. And when you combine all that together, that's thousands and thousands of people to put in one bubble. And so, I mean, 68 teams for this tournament, plus coaches, plus trainers, and, and anybody else that needs to be there. 68 teams, I mean, you're definitely... Again, I don't know how deep the staffs roll. I'm sure it's different for each team because over here you got the Power Fives, you know the the ACCs, the SECs, the Pac-12s, the Big Tens. Then over here you've got you know your Big South, you know middle of the pack Division One schools um, that probably would not have as big of a staff to bring. So, um, but you're pushing, you're pushing probably a couple thousand if at the least, I mean, again, this is off the top of my head that that number could be way too low, by the way. But the point is like that, that was why obviously the NFL probably didn't do a bubble or one of the big reasons. And so now you are going, it's confirmed. They're going to do this for the NCAA tournament. So like I said, this, this will be very interesting to watch and see how it unfolds um, come March. So, uh, with that said, first of all, I'm part, so I get, need to get a sip of my water here. Ah, that was good. Good water. Got lemon water today. No coffee. I'm actually running low on coffee is the main reason I'm not. My my cup of coffee's coming later, and it's probably the last one I'm going to be able to get out of my bag of coffee, but I had to make sure my light was still plugged in. <clears throat> so... Uh, real quick, as we're about mid-show and, uh, and we're about to switch over to some football. Oh, before we do that, I did want to pull up because I I had this saved. Um, I had this little uh, graphic saved uh, from ACC ACC Sports uh, Instagram page. And basically what it is, is since, you know, we've been talking about basketball and I'm getting ready to switch over to football, I kind of wanted to go here real quick. So this is a predicted order of finish, uh, for each ACC basketball team. Obviously, if you're listening by way of pod, excuse me, if, if you're listening by way of podcast, uh, first of all, hello. I always forget to, you know, to mention the podcast when I first open up, uh, but appreciate you guys listening on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Um, so obviously, obviously our listeners on podcast won't be able to see this. That's why I'm going to recite it out uh, for you real quick. But this is the predicted order of finish for each uh, ACC team um, for this season. Obviously, so you've got UVA, who is the preseason favorite uh, for the ACC. They're number four. Uh, they were number four in the first AP poll, preseason poll. uh So yeah, UVA is predicted finish first. Then you've got Duke at number two, FSU is number three. They're followed by UNC at number four. Number five is Louisville, Syracuse number six, Miami seven, NC State eight, Georgia Tech nine, Clemson 10, Virginia Tech 11, Notre Dame 12, Pitt at 13, Boston College at 14, and then last but definitely least, Wake Forest at number 15. They do have a new head coach. I don't remember his name off the top of my head, so I'm not even going to go there. uh, As they're coming out of the whole uh, Danny Manning era, which was just god-awful. That'll be interesting to see how Wake Forest is able to kind of come out of that. Uh you know there was it was a whole thing you know trying to figure out all right so is Wake Forest going to buy out Danny Manning and get a new coach or are they going to stick with it? it listen. It was time to move on from Danny Manning and I think most of you Wake Forest fans will agree with that. You know it just it didn't work. It didn't work. So I don't know like like the guy he, he's a good dude. Um been around him a few times but as far as like a leader and just a leader of dudes in a locker room, like I don't know, like he just he didn't seem, he just didn't seem like it. So it will be interesting to see how Wake Forest is able to bounce back. Uh, so real quick before we transition into some ACC football, we've actually got a game uh, going on right now: Syracuse at Louisville. Louisville's up three nothing. I always love it because obviously we do these shows on Mondays and Fridays at seven. 7- p.m. Eastern time and so far we've only had one live football game you know during our show Uh, it was Miami NC State I want to say a few weeks ago and then now we've got Syracuse at Louisville Louisville's up three nothing um not sure they're they're still in the first quarter I don't know how much time's left I can't see um Syracuse has the ball, third and eight at the Louisville 45. feel like I'm doing play-by-play play now. Um, so yeah, I expect Louisville to handle their business in that one. Uh, but you never know, Syracuse might pull one out. <clears throat> so real quick, before we tra- transition into some ACC football, uh, we wanted to give some love to our sponsor, American Betting Experts. So this show, ACC Tailgate, and all our other shows here on Chris Landry, Uh, football. We are sponsored by American betting experts, and they're one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the US. And we partnered with them to provide you guys some value, a special gaming offer uh, to all our listeners, all our viewers, all our subscribers. And here is all you will do. You're going to go to our website, LandryFootball.com. You're going to click on the ad. It'll be located in the upper right side of the page. You're going to pick among the gaming sites legal in your home state, such as Bet, MGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, PointsBet, those type of things. Uh, You'll sign up. You'll instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet. It'll go from $100 all the way to $1,000, and it's literally that easy. So you go to our – just real quick, again, you go to our website, LandryFootball.com. You subscribe also while you're there, by the way, too. You know, no biggie. But you go there. And you just click on that ad that's located in the upper right side of the page and you get on that action from our friends, our pals, our buddies, uh, and good sponsors for the show, American Betting Experts. So we appreciate them and we appreciate you guys who get in on that uh, and help us, uh, you know, try and build this thing up here over at Chris Landry Football. So with that said, let's see here. So here's your slate of games. You know, while we're talking about, you know, Syracuse playing Louisville right this very second. Um, Louisville has the ball now, by the way. So here's your slate of games for the week, for tomorrow, I should say. God, I can't, I can't believe tomorrow's Saturday. C- guys, can you believe we've been talking about ACC basketball five days away? Uh, news alert. Thanksgiving is less than a week away now. Like, what are we doing over here? Like, time just keeps rolling. I'm ex oh. We're gonna have to go there on Monday. Like, I'm not gonna get into it too much now because we've got about 20 minutes left and I want to talk about some football, but good God. If you if if you're looking for the spot to come talk about Thanksgiving food, your ass better be in here on Monday because we're going there. I, we're going there, you know. My my obsession with fudge may or may not come up more than once, uh, but man, it's crazy the how the holidays are already. And then it'll be Christmas time, and then it'll be New Year's, and then 2021, twenty one twenty. We're we're out of twenty twenty very soon, folks. So, um, so yeah, I can't wait for that. I'm actually my mouth is watering just thinking about Thanksgiving. Like I'm so. Maybe it's because I'm hungry too already, but that that sure as hell didn't help. Uh, so back to football. Let me quench my appetite real quick. Um, so first on the list, you've got number four Clemson at FSU. That one's at noon primetime on ABC. I don't think Clemson will have any issue there, considering you know FSU's kind of at the bottom of the ACC. You know, had a few games this year. Obviously, when they stunned. My Tar Heels, obviously, that one's notable. But they've put together a few games. I mean, I think they're headed in the right direction. They're just they're just starting out. You know, they got a new coach, uh, and, you know, they got to build it up. You know, you can't build a good building without a strong foundation, and that takes time and patience. So good life lesson for all of us. So that one's at noon. Then at 4 p.m. on ACC Network, you've got Virginia Tech at Pitt. Um. That one will be interesting. Uh, Virginia Tech, obviously uh, they're 4-4 four and four overall and trying to do something. I mean, they, they started off the season on the right note and they have since kind of lost their way ever since they got upset by Wake back when they were ranked. That was a handful of weeks ago. Then they, they got a win at Louisville whoop de doo you know, it's Louisville, and lost to Liberty, lost to Miami, and I talked about it a few weeks ago. Like, this road was set up for Virginia Tech to either really redeem themselves or really, really just, like, fall and just collapse, and the season's done. Because they had two ranked opponents, one being Miami, the other being Clemson, in two weeks. Uh, And then you've got a Pitt team on the road. Virginia Tech is on the road at Pitt tomorrow, and that's a team that you have to handle your business against. It's a team that struggled. It's a team that's got issues. They've had issues all year ever since they got upset by NC State early in the season when Pitt was ranked for, like, I don't know, five minutes. Like, if you're Virginia Tech, you got to – I, I fine, like you played Miami, a ranked opponent in the top 10. I think they were 11 last week or 12, but close enough. A, 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 a top 10 caliber team. Uh, you played them close. Miami didn't play fantastic. Virginia Tech didn't play great either, but they played well enough to play Miami close and only lose by a point. So, so be it. You got to handle your business against Pitt if you're Virginia Tech. You have to. Like, I don't think there's any shot. Well, I can't say that, but if they beat if listen, if they if they went out and beat Clemson, they'll maybe get back in the top twenty five. Maybe. I I doubt it. Um if you want to end this season on a respectable note, you better handle your business against Pitt. You better you better handle your business in three weeks against UVA, which will be at home for Virginia Tech. That's, you know, Pitt, and the reason that I was talking about this being a setup for either them to pick themselves up or to be awful is because Pitt, I mean, obviously you got two ranked opponents, so we're not talking about that. But the two unranked opponents that you have left, Pitt tomorrow and then UVA uh, in three weeks, or two I should say, Um, that's another team that's been kind of – just imploding all year long. Both teams in are kind of, you know, Pitt and UVA are both kind of in that situation. And if you can't handle your business against them after everything that's happened for Virginia to Virginia Tech, I should say, this year already, then Fuente might his job might his job security might be in trouble because it I mean it's not great over there right now. As if in case you didn't get that hint already. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what else we got here? Trying to get back to my score sheet. So, yeah. Virginia Tech, Pitt, 4 o'clock tomorrow, ACC Network. Uh, also at 4, this one's on ESPN3. You've got Abilene Christian, I think I pronounced that right. That one's uh, against UVA, at UVA. God, I hope UVA can handle that. You know, Abilene Christian—they're one and four. Um, like UVA better win that game. That's all I got to say about that. Or I'm—I'm going to lose it. I'm not going to lose it because I'm only going to lose it when Carolina loses to a team like that. But I'm going to have some things to probably get into on UVA come Monday night if uh, they can't handle their business against a team like that. Uh, NC State has a challenge. Uh, Obviously an impressive five and three they've, they've managed. They haven't quite been the disaster. I thought they would be when Devin Leary went out uh, several weeks ago. Um, they've, they've, they've held their own fairly well. I'm actually kind of impressed. And that's not easy for me to say about NC state being a Carolina fan. Uh, but that one will be in Raleigh at home for NC state Liberty coming into the house. Liberty ranked 21, having a hell of a season, undefeated, 8 0. Um that, That'll be an impressive win if NC State can get that one. And I, you know, but it's hard to believe I'm saying that because it's Liberty and you'd never picture them being this good in football, but they are. Um their head coach, I forget his name. Uh he actually just got extended and there was a lot of talk, you know, is he gonna get a big-time ACC or SEC job <clears throat> with how good he's been doing this year. But he actually just signed an extension with Liberty, so he's not going anywhere. Uh, but that'll be a night. I'm at, That one's got me intrigued. That one's at 7.30 p.m. That'll be on ESPN3. Uh, and then you've got a couple games postponed due to COVID reasons, I believe. Uh, Georgia Tech, this is their second week in a row, I think they've had a game postponed. That one was supposed to be at Miami, number 12 Miami. Uh, that one's been postponed. And moved, I forget the new date it's got. Uh, You'll have to look that one up. And then also postponed, in my neck of the woods, Wake Forest at Duke. Uh, I assume that one's for COVID reasons too. I actually have no idea. I I didn't realize. I knew Georgia Tech, Miami was postponed. I didn't realize Wake Forest, Duke was postponed. Um, And again, that was supposed to be at Duke, so... You know, I would have predicted Wake Forest to probably handle that since Duke's last in the ACC. Uh, so, yeah, that is your schedule uh, for. I hit my microphone thing. Uh, that's your schedule for tomorrow in ACC football. Uh, I think that's all I'm gonna. Oh, let me get into this real quick since I did say I wanted to start sprinkling more. Non, you know, college and non-ACC things into the mix. Can we talk about how Taysom Hill is getting the nod at starter for the Saints on Sunday? I don't know who the Saints have, and I'm actually gonna look it look it up now because I uh, I knew that, that just breaks my brain. I'm gonna find out who the Saints were playing real quick. Uh, it's just. I don't know, and and maybe maybe it's an overreaction to say that because, but it's just like in my mind, and I'm sure in most of your minds as well, Jameis Winston, the whole reason that he was brought into the Saints was to be groomed by Drew Brees, and to basically audition to become the next head next uh, starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. Or to do what Teddy Bridgewater did, which now Jameis Winston would have a perfect opportunity to do, since Drew Brees is out yet again, and have a nice little uh, handful of weeks that he could audition for both the Saints and uh, every other team around the NFL. Obviously, Teddy Bridgewater's with my Carolina Panthers now, uh, as a result of how well he did going undefeated as the starter for the Saints. That little stretch of games, five games, I think it was five and zero. Four or five and oh, whatever it was. But that is, I don't know. I just, I think it's, I think, sorry, I had a little uh, tickle in my throat. I think when it's all said and done, that Jameis Winston will end up being the starter for the Saints. I think this is just an experiment, really. Uh, I think it's just an experiment by the Saints to see. Because remember, don't forget, like we were having these conversations uh, before the season even started when the Saints picked up Jameis Winston. And it was like, all right, so if Drew Brees is likely heading out the door after this year and retiring and going into broadcasting, which I'm pretty sure he is because I'm pretty sure his deal is already done for wherever he's going. I think it might be NBC or – yeah, I think it's NBC is where he's going. Um, is it possible that Taysom Hill might become the next quarterback for the New Orleans Saints? Cause I mean, he, he has been pretty good in those spots whenever they've needed him, but is he really going to be the starting quarterback? Like it's one thing to be in wildcat formations and do all right. It's another thing to be like the day in day out starter. I'm not saying he couldn't do it because I think he's got history at the quarterback position in college. I think, um, but I think, um, I think when it's all said and done, Jameis will get that job. Um, that's just what my intuition tells me. And I think that Taysom Hill starting this week at quarterback against the Falcons, that's who they've got. I didn't even need to look it up. I actually didn't even – like I was pulling it up on my phone on ESPN and I didn't even get there until I started ranting about something else and it just popped in my head. Uh, I think this is just an experiment, seriously, by the Saints uh, to see if Taysom – what can Taysom – all right, we know he can come in in certain play formations and – Get the job done. What can you do as an actual starter for a whole game? And I think it's just an experiment by the Saints to kind of figure that out, you know. And if he does awful, he probably won't even make it through the whole game. And if he does average to great, all right, we might have to think about some things here. And then maybe Jameis will get some shots and then Hill's going to get some shots. I don't know. I just, I think it's an experiment by the saints really to explore all their options. Uh, and I think if there is one conclusive thing on the fact that it's a good SAT word conclusive. Uh, I think if there is one conclusive thing uh, that you can say, and I'll, and I'll wrap up the show with this about Taysom Hill being named the starter for this week, I would say it is that drew Brees is definitely done after this season because in my in my belief that the starting of Taysom Hill this week is just an experiment to see what he's got the fact that they're experimenting that route and then obviously the Jameis route as well it tells me that all right they're looking for their next guy after Drew Brees this year so if there is one thing to be learned out of that it is that all right this is it for Drew Brees and they're trying to figure out who their next starter is so um, that is going to do it for today's show on a Friday. I appreciate you guys tuning in. I appreciate everybody who tuned in on Monday. I appreciate everybody who uh, watched Monday's show throughout the week after it was already recorded and on podcast. Uh, special thank you to our sponsor, American Betting Experts. Uh, do uh, subscribe to our website. You know We're really trying to build this community up, and it would mean the world to us if you went First of all, subscribe to our Twitch channel here, and then also uh, subscribe to our website, LandryFootball.com. It would mean the world to us. Uh, And that is going to do it for a Friday. Hope you have a great weekend uh, and a great rest of your night. My name is Will Dalton, a.k.a. Wilburn Gold, your host. Uh, Hoping you have a good weekend. We'll see you Monday at 7 o'clock Eastern time right here on ACC Tailgate. We'll see you next time.